God, and to learn of your word and to be closer with you. We give you praise and thanks for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Guys, if you want to, if you could welcome the people that are online, if you'll give them a hand clap for showing up. We'd like to welcome you um, to our broadcast. We'd like to welcome you uh, to our Bible study, where our goal is simply one thing, to learn the word of God the unadulterated word of God and apply those things to our life. And we're in some exciting things. Uh, we've been looking through the book of Genesis and can you believe it? We've made it all the way to Genesis chapter 15. That's quite a while. And we know that God has given Abram some covenants uh, and some promises. And we're going to look deeper into those promises the night tonight um, that last week we talked about Melchizedek and about the company uh, that you keep and connections and how connections can be a good thing or necessarily they can um, they can be a bad thing uh, depending on what your connections are. Uh, we're in Genesis chapter 15 tonight uh, and we're going to be reading down through Genesis chapter 15. So guys, if you want to read with us and we'll stop as usual and we're going to ask some um, questions. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to only go down to verse three for right now. So those of you who are following us uh, online or by podcast, Genesis chapter 15, verse one through three. Let's read. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I'm going to keep reading. Uh, verse two says, 15 and two says, and Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Abram uh, has just received this major victory, but inside he's not happy. I, I want to think and talk to somebody who looks good on the outside, but on the inside, you're really not happy. You got some things in life that are not really going the way you want them to go. Have you ever been like that? It seems like from all standpoints, you should be happy, but there's something on the inside of you that just doesn't seem at peace. And question one says, Abram has just received a major victory in the previous chapter. God is giving him a word of comfort. Apparently, despite his success, Abraham is dealing with issues, anxieties, and insecurities. Now, here's the question, and this is for us to think introspectively. Have you ever had a time when you look successful on the outside but felt defeated on the inside? Anybody ever felt like that? If people looked on the outside, you looked like you had it all together. But on the inside, you felt a wreck. You felt uh, like I'm really not making any progress. I'm really not doing any good. People think you're happy, but really you're sad on the inside. And I had another question that comes after that. Did you seek the word of God for comfort? For we see Abraham's rich by this time. Abraham has plenty of money. He has plenty of servants. But guess what? His money is not bringing him what? Comfort. His social status is not bringing him comfort. What is going to bring him comfort is a word of the Lord. And why is he uncomfortable? Because God gave him a promise, right? What did God promise him? Give him a line. He promised that I'm going to I'm going to give you a line to come down and you're you're going to have be the father of many nations. Right. He talked to him about nations. But Abram's been in Canaan. We'll see later as you read down. He's been there almost a decade. 
and nothing's happened. <laughs> He's been there almost 10 years since he received the promise of God. And if you look on face value, what God has promised him doesn't seem like it's come to pass. You promised me, God, that I would see uh, I'll be the father of many nations. It's going to be very hard without a child. You have got you. You promised me I will be the lender and not the borrower. That's going to be very hard, God, without a job. That's going to be very hard without a bank account or a business. God, you promised me that I was going to be a prophet to the nations. That's going to be very hard, God, when I don't have anybody to listen to me preach or anybody to listen to me teach. You promised me that there was a ministry in me and I've been faithful to you all these years. But now I'm getting frustrated because what God promised me, I don't see coming to what? Pass. Have you ever been in that space? Where God, I know you promised me something. I've seen you work mightily in my life. So I know that you exist. I know that you can, and I know that you will. But for some reason, I feel stuck. <laughs> Anybody ever felt stuck? You feel like you're not going forward. You're not going backwards. And God, you want some things from God, but all of a sudden you feel stuck. It's been somewhere around a decade and this delay seems to be weighing pretty heavy on him. I want to ask you a question. When you are in a delay or when you are in wait while you're waiting in the meantime, what are some ways that you can comfort yourself while you wait on the promises of God? Somebody tell me a way you can comfort yourself while you're waiting on God's promises. Pray. That's good. Somebody said something else. Read on the promises. That's a good one right there. Coming away from the back. You can read on the promises. A lot of times when God takes the children of Israel over, what does he always tell them? I am the God that brought you out of this, that brought you out of that. What is he doing? He's getting them to remind themselves where he's already brought them what? From. Sometimes you have to be like David. We haven't seen David come up yet. It's going to be many years through here before we get to David, at least by the by the way of this passage. And so we see that even when David was down and out, sometimes David had to encourage his what? So we live in a time when a lot of people are depressed. We live in a time where a lot of people will see other people prosper, that see other people's dreams come to pass, see other people's things come to fruition. And sometimes, let's be honest, whether you save or not, you can get a little bit frustrated because you see God blessing other people and he's not doing or yet manifesting what you think he ought to manifest for you. Even David, who was a man after God's own heart, said, when I look at the prosperity of the wicked, my foot almost what? Slipped. He said, I look at this guy, he cheating on his taxes, he getting ahead. I look at this one doing wrong and they getting ahead. I look at this one, they, they selling drugs. And I ask myself, well, what's the point of me coming to church and living right? Because everybody living wrong seems like they have all the benefits. David feels stuck. Well, what's the point of me coming to church and being faithful when everybody else seems to be blessed and they're not giving? They're not. And, and you feel what? Stuck. I want to talk to somebody tonight that feels stuck. You feel like, can you? Can we be real tonight? A lot of us have or do feel like that, especially after pandemics where we had churches full of people all over the nation and now we don't have as many people. Sometimes we don't have as much in, in giving. We don't have as many people to help. Everybody has something to do other than to serve in the church. And sometimes people that are in the church feel what? Stuck. You feel like I'm not making any what? 
progress. And God is talking to somebody right now. He's talking to some pastor who's downhearted or some ministry leader who's downhearted or somebody that's in life and they just can't seem to get ahead and given a word of comfort that he's on the way just because you haven't seen it happen yet does not mean that it's not going to happen. It's a process. Everybody say process. I don't know what plant it is, but there is a plant. And I was doing a little reading on a plant one time, and that plant grows for years. You can't even see it. It's a seed underneath the ground, and it's building a root expansion. And then in a very short period of time, it would seem like when you see that tree, it pops up out of nowhere. And people would say, oh, it popped up out of nowhere. No, it didn't pop up out of nowhere. But while God was doing the work on it, he was doing work in places that you could not what? See. He was setting groundwork in places that you could not what? See, I want to talk to somebody who feels like they're delayed tonight that says, I don't feel God like you're you're working on what I'm what you promised me. It's because God is laying the groundwork in places that you cannot what? See. There are many things in your life that. They're waiting for you at the appointed time or the cryenos uh, of God's appointed time. But if you don't be, if you're not careful, you will get frustrated and you will quit too what? Soon. So he says, God, I got a problem. Aren't you glad you can be honest with God? You don't have to just be, be so fake like we, we try to be with people that you can be honest because he knows what you're thinking anyway. He says, I got a problem because you keep telling me I'm going to be the father of many nations. I don't even have a child and all this money that I have is not going to even be mine. I'm going to have to leave it to one of my servants. That's a problem. And it says in verse four, we're going to read verse four. We'll read it together. It says what? And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Keep going. Verse five, if they can pull it up. If they can, I'll read it from here. Let's read. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now towards heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Now, that is amazing because question number three says that God's promise promises Abraham that he will receive his own flesh and blood as an heir. In other words, we hear the scripture all the time that says God is not a man that he should what? Lie. Nor is he the son of man that he should what? Change his mind. If he said it, will he not do it? But here's the thing. We're human, aren't we? <laughs> So sometimes we get discouraged when we don't see things happen as quickly as we would want to happen. And we'll see later on. I'm not going to give away the text, but we can make a bigger mess trying to help uh, from the South. We say, Brother Day, hope God out <laughs> from his promises. We try to make things happen. And sometimes that can be detrimental and devastating to our destiny. So I put in uh, question number three, it says, God promises Abraham that he would receive his own flesh and blood as an heir. This is encouraging because God is promising to do something new. That's the end through something old. <laughs> now, I want you to think about that, because when God gave the promise, Abraham was already kind of up in years. Now it's been a decade. Abraham is what? Oh, Abraham is saying, you promised me something. And I have more years behind me than I have in front of me. And now I feel depressed because I don't see any physical or natural way that this can happen. 
Well, a lot of us feel like that, don't we? We see, Lord, I've lived more years before retirement. I don't see how you can bless me with a financial increase. I don't see how you can give me a ministry this late in my life. It's because in the natural, you can't do it. But God is not natural. God is supernatural. And God can put some super on your natural and do some miraculous things. What you have to do is you have to realize you got to stop working in your own vein. You got to stop working in your own strength. With man, it may not be possible, but with God, all things are what? Possible. And I like it because God does something new with something old. A lot of times we always have to feel like we have to reinvent the wheel and even in our ministries, there's nothing wrong with lights and smoke and all that stuff if you're doing it. And we, we worked on building some stuff around here. We want to kind of be up to date. But here's the, same, the thing. Sometimes people will be under pressure to preach things that they want people to hear or they want to do something that they feel is exciting instead of just picking up the old word of God because God can just do something new with something what? Oh, God can take an old word that's been around for thousands of years and turn your life around right now one word from god can change your direction one word from god can change your what life god has the ability to do something new with something old look at your neighbor and say you don't have to reinvent the wheel <laughs> god can take something old and put something new into it he said behold i do a what new thing God has the ability to take something that may seem old and washed up and dried up and right through Abraham's loins, God brings a seed and his promise. When it looks like it couldn't happen, God makes it what? Happen. Isn't that encouraging for us that feel like our best years are behind us? I've come to tell you that the word did not lie, that your latter can be greater than your former. Your future right now can be greater than your past. You don't, I, I need to tell somebody right now, stop talking about the good old days. <laughs> because no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has conceived. These are the good right now days. David said, I would have fainted unless I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm not worried about the good old days because I know God can make some good days right now. That's it. That's it, brother. Then he can give you some brand new days. I'm grateful for what he did back then, but I'm even more excited for what he's about to do now. Tonight, I hear a word of expectation. I hear a word of expectancy for somebody who feels like it's over with for you. You made too many mistakes in life. You can't recover from your mistakes. I've come to tell you that God is able to do something new with something old. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to always have catchy sermon titles. You can take the old unadulterated word of God and the word will do just fine anytime. All you have to do is be instant in season and out of season to teach and preach and live the word whether you want to or not or whether they want to hear it or not so we look at this verse four says that god took abram outside and shifted his focus i want to read this in the niv so you can see this that after he told god that eliezer would be my heir in the niv version he says this it said then the word of the lord came to abram this man will not be your heir but a son from whom is your flesh and blood will be your heir now this is what i like verse five it says he took him outside everybody say outside, outside. sometimes 
God has to change your direction and your location to bless you. Because you're focusing on everything that's around you. You're focusing on familiar surroundings. And you can't see what God is doing. That's why sometimes in corporations, they bring in secret shoppers or different people in. Why? Because they have a different vantage point. Because you've been looking at the same things for so long, you become blind to potential. All you can see is the negative. But God takes him where? Outside. And he changes his focus and says, stop looking on the inside and saying, I'm old. He says, I need you to look where? Up. Everybody said, look up. Look up. <laughs> That's what's wrong with a lot of us now. We're depressed because we're looking in and not looking up. I'm reminded of the, the, the pilgrimage hymn that is in the book of book of Psalms when it says they would sing it when they walked up and they were coming up to the hill and they would look up and see the temple. They would say, I will lift mine eyes up until the hills from where does my help come my help comes from the lord abraham you have been thinking too small you've been thinking inside the tent and i got to get you outside of this tent because what i'm trying to bless you in with it's too big for you to see inside of here god is trying to expand your vision god is trying to expand your mindset God is trying to expand your ministry, your church, or your life. Sometimes it may be to where you don't even do it in the four walls. I'm coming soon, if you didn't know it or not, we're going back to parking lot services. As soon as it gets warm, we're going to go back outside some. You know why? Because God is doing a new thing. And if the community won't come inside, we take the church to what? Them. We've got to expand our vision away from what always has been and open our mindset to what God is trying to do in this season. And I like it because he even expanded it. Not only did he tell him you will be the father of many nations. Now he said, Abraham, forget the nations. Look up and count the what? Star. Have you ever tried to count the? God is telling somebody today, I got a blessing that you can't even count. I got a blessing that you can't even fathom. I got a blessing that you can't even hold, but you got to get out of this old mindset. You got to get out of this tent in your familiar surroundings. Where God is trying to bless you at, you won't be able to do the same things that you've always done. Because if you do always do what you've always done, you'll always receive what you've always received. God wants you to do a what? A new thing. He can use an old vessel, but he might take that old vessel and put him in a new environment. Abraham, it's time for me to expand your vision. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I but here in the is there anybody that God is speaking to you right now saying it's time for you to stop worrying about what was and stop looking at what you don't have or, or, or how small your resources are? or how small your group is, and I want you to start thinking big about the possibilities of what I can do. God is speaking to somebody right now in ministry saying, don't worry about it if you don't have as many members as you did, used to have. Stop worrying about what you used to have and think about the possibilities of what God can do. We live in the Detroit area. Can you imagine if we got one fraction of 1% of the people that were in the Detroit area to get them saved for Christ? Are you, you realize what God can do? A lot of people aren't moving in faith. Why are they not moving in faith? Because all they can see is what they don't have. God, you promised this and it hadn't shown up yet. And you're sitting there looking like you're waiting for the Amazon man. 
You bought something and you were excited and you looked on your phone and it said it's, it should be here today. And you you know you want it and you're trying to pretend like you don't want it, but you're sitting there waiting for the truck. And now it's nighttime in the truck. Have you ever done that? You've been upset because it said this is going to show up this day and you following it. As a matter of fact, they have it so intricate that you can actually say one day I start and I said, oh, the truck is only three miles away. It's over here. Don't you know that they stayed out so late that the truck didn't show up and I was mad. Because I had an expectation that I was about to receive something and it was close enough that I could have walked and grabbed it, but it wasn't time for me to get it. Some of you might be mad that you haven't got what God has for you yet. Maybe it's because God has not yet said that it's time. And instead of being mad, you might say, maybe I can use this time to prepare for it. So when it comes, I'll be what? Ready. It's too late to build a roof when it starts raining. You got to have the roof. When the rain comes, means when prayer was ending right before service started, I walked out and Brother Dave was looking out the door. He was looking. He said, there's a rainbow. I didn't tell Brother Dave what was spoken in my heart. But when, when I walked out there, I looked and God said, I remember my promise. Sometimes God has promised you some stuff and you feel like, God, I messed it up. I'll never get it. God said, my promise wasn't predicated on you. My promise was predicated on me. I did when I promised you this, I knew you were stupid. <laughs> when I promised you this, I knew you were gonna mess it up. I, when I promised you this, I knew you wasn't gonna get everything right. But your promise wasn't pre somebody needs to hear that. Your promise wasn't predicated on your ability. Your promise was predicated on mine. Who isn't that an encouraging word? If you can't mess up what God has already ordained. Oh wow. No, no matter how hard you try, David tried, didn't he? David tried a bunch. David tried with Bathsheba. David tried with all sorts of other things that he wasn't supposed to do. But at the end of the day, God said, my promise has to do with me, not with you. You're just a vessel for the promise. So if you just hold tight, I'm going to do what I need to do through you. Somebody say, hold what you got. I know that's improper grammar, but I'm from the South and I'm, I'm proud to be from the South. That's what we'll say sometimes when you're backing up, we'll, we'll, we'll tell you, come on, come on back, come on back. We don't even say, come on back. We say, come on back, come on back, come on back, come on back. And after a while we say, oh, oh, hold what you got. Somebody needs to hear that today. Hold what you got. You feel like you in a holding pattern, but God is on the way. Good God Almighty, hold what you got. Don't give up. God has endless possibilities about what he's about to do in our life. What he wants you to do is start focusing on those possibilities. Look at the stars. Look at what God can do. Stop worrying about what he's not doing and start looking at what he can do. Yes. Oh, Jesus. He says, so shall your offspring be. Now, verse six, we got to look at this, man. I can't believe that clock is moving that fast, brother Lamarck. I'm gonna have to take that clock out and shoot it a little bit later. But at the same time, let's keep going. Verse, verse six, let's read together. It says, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, this is comforting, too. You know why? Because Abraham has sold his wife already. He disobeyed God already. He's done some bad stuff. And so if it was up to him and how he was living, he wouldn't receive the promise. But all Abraham had to do was what? Believe. 
Paul brings this back up in Romans chapter 4, verse 10 through 24. We won't read it tonight, but write that down. Go back and read Romans chapter 4, verses 10 through 4, because we are saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved simply because we what? Believe. Abraham had righteousness credited to him because of his faith in what? God. It's on your paper down there. Uh, question number five. It's at the end. But go back and read Romans chapter 4, 10 through 24. God credited him for righteousness. You want to be righteous? Have faith in God. Isn't that amazing? That no matter how hard you try, you can't live good enough to get to heaven. And I know can't is, is probably not the best way for those who, who like a, a, a proper proper a proper pronunciation. You can't. You can't get to heaven. <laughs> Based off of what you do. But if you will simply believe, God will credit righteousness to your account. How many of you loved it? When the, when the government was simply crediting stuff to your account, you didn't do anything for it. You got to pay for high gas now. So that's how inflation works. But at the end of the day, it was exciting to see somebody credit something that you really didn't do anything for. That's salvation. You simply believe God and he credits it to you. You can't do anything to earn it. Wow, that's amazing. You see how themes start in Genesis and they go all the way throughout the Bible. That's why it's important to learn Genesis because this is the foundation. And whatever you learn here is going to be a theme that's carried throughout the what? Bible. So you really need to know Genesis pretty well. Now I'm going to ask, can somebody tell me from our teachings all the way through so far, what is a covenant? Somebody give me a word for what a covenant is. A what? It's an agreement. That's it. A covenant is an agreement. That's the answer to the first question. What's another word we might use today that we use today? We, we, we do it all the time. We say you sign a what? A contract. It's a legal binding agreement that what you do, you say you're going to do. And, and you hold to your word. And God is about to renew his covenant with Abram. And so Abram believes and God credits him for righteousness. Now we're going to go down to verse seven and we're going to read. We're just going to read all the way to about the end, um, because once we get cranking on this, we're going to keep on down. So let's go to verse seven all the way through the end. Let's read it together. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee to this land to inherit. Now stop, pay close attention to that. We're coming back to that. When we get into the order of how covenants work, you'll notice that he's starting the covenant right there. That's how covenants work. We're going to come back and talk about that. Let's go. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee to this land to inherit. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, take me an heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds he divided not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. 
And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. But here's the good news. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation that shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between the pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying unto thy seed, have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites. Hmm. So we're going to see what God is doing right here. God is making a covenant. In Genesis 15 and 12, it says Abram fell into a what? A deep sleep. God is getting ready to do something to him. For those of you who want to go back and study the Hebrew of that, that word is tardema. Why do I even bring that word up? It's because it's a Hebrew word that's used in the Old Testament. But when you first see it, it's Genesis 2 and 21 when it says, and he caused Adam to fall into a what? Deep sleep. So what I want you to see is when you see the word Tardema, God is generally about to do something. God is about to do some work. And so just like he calls Adam to Tardema or to fall into a deep sleep, he's about to give Abraham this covenant to renew him. So he causes Abraham to fall into a deep sleep. Something divine is about to happen. And if you flip over on the back of your page, you'll see the parts of a covenant. Now, in an Old Testament covenant uh, during those times, um, there are different parts, six parts to a covenant. The number one is called a preamble. Everybody say preamble. A preamble, when you're having a covenant between two people or a party agreement, the preamble is generally saying that it's declaring who the parties of the covenant are. Uh, for instance, God just said he's announcing. Remember, I told you to pay attention to it. I am the what? Lord. Now, generally, there are two parties in here, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and skip to one of the good parts uh, because I want to get to it. Generally, it would say, I am Willie and you are Mark, and we're going to have a covenant between each other. And as we break this, as we do this covenant, we are agreeing for something to happen. But he calls Abram to be what? Tardama. Tardema into a deep sleep. In other words, God is saying, I'm making this covenant and I don't need you. In other words, you're not going to even be involved. I just need you to hear what I have to say because I'm not worried about your ability to bring this covenant to pass. I'm going to bring this covenant to pass. The next part of the covenant that we have after the preamble is called a prologue. Everybody say prologue. prologue. 
This is generally a backstory. We'll see this if you look through Exodus. I am the Lord thy God that brought thee out of Egypt. It's, it tells you how we got to this place. In other words, I am willing. You are marked. We want to sell a car between each other. And so therefore we're here today. In other words, there's a reason why we're here. And so he says, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you to this land to take possession of it. What you are literally seeing is a legal contract that God is making with Abraham right there. He's given the preamble, I am the Lord, and then he's given you the backstory, which is the prologue. Why am I doing this? Why is this happening? Because I brought you out of the land of Ur to make this covenant with who? You. So you see this. This is pretty cool, huh? There's a lot of cool stuff in the Bible. After the preamble and the prologue, you'll see the stipulations. Everybody says stipulation. Stipulations. stipulations generally mean after that. That's going to be where we talk about what are the rules and the agreement of the covenant. I am willing. You are Mark. We want to sell a car. Therefore, you're going to give me a certain amount of money. And, or I'm going to give you a certain amount of money. And you're going to give me a car for that money. So he says, I am the Lord. Who brought you out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you to this to take possession of it, uh, to give you to the land to take possession of it. And, and so Abram is saying, what are the details? How will I know how I'm going to gain this? And so the Lord comes through here and says, he tells them, verse 13, the Lord said to him, know for certain that uh, after 400 years, he begins to give him this proclamation. He's given him the what? Details. He's given him, he's gone from general to specific. He's gone, and I want to talk to somebody because some, some of you are in the general part of the promise, and you're frustrated because you feel like, and you can almost sense God is going to do something, and you're frustrated because you feel like there's more to me, and I'm frustrated. God gave me a promise, but I don't yet know the what? Detail. I've come to give you a word of comfort. When it's time, God will give you the what? Detail. He lets you know what you need to know when you what? need to know. it. God told my wife and myself, we spoke about it. We prayed about it. And he put on our hearts that it was for us to come to Michigan. We didn't know all the what? Detail. He worked it out to where it happened seamlessly. But he let us know what we needed to know when we needed to what? Know it. And he caused some things to fall in line that we couldn't have ever made fall in line for ourselves. But we have to walk by faith. He lets you know what you need to know, when you need to know it. That's called faith. But walking in faith means you got to be comfortable sometimes walking without knowing all the details. Sometimes you just got to trust God. We don't like that in the information age. I need to know every every spot. I need to know every jot and every tittle. I need to know exactly how this is going to play out before I jump off and make an agreement or a contract. I need to know, Lord, how many, I'm, Lord, you call me in the ministry. I need to know how long it's going to take me to get through ministry. Do I need to go to school? Do I need to not? Are you going to have a church waiting on me? Are you going to have me an outside ministry? How is this going to work? Exactly how many followers am I going to have? Where do I go to get those followers? And God said, you don't need to know all that. <laughs> all you need to know is that I'm calling you to do it, start walking. And as you start walking, everybody, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody say, as I start walking, I start walking. he'll start talking. Who, Jesus? I felt that. I don't know if anybody else, else felt that, but some of you, the reason God is not talking or speaking in your life is because you're not doing nothing. When you start walking, God will start 
talking. Why would he give you provision when you don't need it? I've come to speak to somebody to let you know God is going to give you a vision that's bigger than your provision that you can see, but he, he's not going to give it to you while you're sitting there worried about how it's going to happen. He gives it to you as you need it. Come here, Moses. I'm going to give you this stick. What am I going to do with this stick? I tell you when you need to what? No. Seems like a simple stick. Now Pharaoh's got this stick. Take this stick, Moses, and throw it on the ground. Have Aaron throw it on the ground. Now grab it by the tail. I tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. I need you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Okay, now God, we out here in the middle of the wilderness. You brought us out here. We don't have anything to do. They, they back here and they finna kill us. I tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. But God, they right on our heels, God. God, you told me to start this ministry, start this business, and I don't see where the money is coming from. The money is running low in the budget. Uh, the budget doesn't look like it's going to be what it needs to be, God, and, and, and it looks like you need to do something real quick. i tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. God, it'd be nice if I'd know when a check was coming. God, it'd be nice to know I had some provision coming. Coming, Pharaoh's on the way behind me. The creditors are on the way behind me. The, the, the people are on the way behind me. Now, you ready to listen? Yeah. Remember the stick I gave you? Yeah, you had what you needed all the time. All you need is what I gave you. Take it and stretch it. And when you stretch it, what you need is going to open right up in front of you. Abram, you had enough faith. to. I told you to leave everything and go. You kept a few things you probably shouldn't have kept, and it's caused you some headaches and your nephew. But at the end of the day, you... Did step out and now I'm going to bless you just because you believe me and I'm going to tell you more because you believe me with less. God's not going to give you more until you trust him with less. If you need all the details, it's not faith. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I got to go because I'm running out of time. Oh, this is good. <laughs> Stipulations are generally the conditional rules of a covenant. That's the third part of a covenant. And it's basically a quid pro quo. You're doing this for me and I'm doing this for you. But then come, everybody says sanctions. Sanctions are the part where, where you have blessings and you have curses. In other words, if you do this, and you'll see this all throughout the New Testament. If you do this, then this is going to happen. If you do this. Well, then this is going to happen. God will say, if you do this, I'll bless this. I'll keep away the canker worm and the locust and all these things. If you don't do this, I'm going to do something bad to you. I'm going to let something bad happen to you. I'm going to let your enemies happen. And he knows they're not going to keep the covenant because he's already told Abraham, I'm going to let them go into captivity for 400 years. That's part of the bargain. But even though it's looking like they're losing, I'm strategically placing them in a place where they can come out with the wealth of the wicked. I need to speak to somebody. I don't know why I keep saying that tonight, but I feel like somebody's going to hear this or listen to this now. You seem like you're placed in a position where you're losing, but God has you strategically placed because just at the right time, he's going to cause people that don't even like you to start to bless you and drop stuff on you. And he's going to abundantly bless you in a place that seems unlikely. You may seem like you're sad and you got pressure. You might seem like stress is on you, but if you'll just be faithful to God at the right time, God will open up all sorts of things. He'll make people that don't even like you bless you. And tell you, I don't like you and I really don't like the fact that I'm doing this. But I don't know why I'm doing this, but I can't help myself.
Good measure. Press down. Shaking together. Running over. Shall men give into thy what? Bosom. The Bible says the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord and he turns it like a water cord. God can make people give you stuff they weren't even expecting to give you. He says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the what? Just. In other words, sometimes God has some things for you that's sitting in somebody else's pocket. Not always about money. But sometimes you don't have your blessing because it's incubating somewhere else. God's got somebody else getting it ready for you. You don't have to worry about your gold and your land. I'm going to let Egypt build it up. I'm going to let them build all sorts of statues and monuments and get all sorts of gold. I'm going to let them fight the battles. I'm going to let them go through all the wars and fight the Hyksos people and all these people and do all these things. I'm going to let them get the abundance. And then after they've gotten it, I'm going to turn it over to you. Don't be sad because you don't see it yet. God may be building it up. And at the right time, he'll do a divine transfer. I hear that word. Somebody said divine transfer. He'll transfer it to you at the right moment. He said, they're going to come out. And when your people come out, they're going to come out with way more than they had when they went in. I had a friend, I was listening to him preaching. He said something that struck me. He said, he said, a lot of people praise God because God has brought them out. But I praise God because he kept me while I was in. Even while you're in the midst of your struggle, God is still working. Even while you're going through financial struggle or health crises, God is still working. Even while you're still going to chemo or taking metformin or blood pressure pill, God is still working. Even when you're having to get a repayment plan, or even when you're having to watch and pull your car out of the driveway, or even when you're watching them put a notice on your door saying this is not your home anymore, God is still now let's go on down. He has witnesses. The next part to covenant is witnesses. And this is the evoking of a deity to watch over the agreement. In other words, what Canaanite people and other people would do, they would swear by a God or say, God is watching over this or whatever our gods we have is watching over this. You see this in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, where Moses is talking about heaven and earth is watching. But this time God doesn't have to swear by any God. Why? Because he is God. God so bad, he said, I don't have nobody to swear by. <laughs> I just swear by myself. <laughs> Good God Almighty. Yeah, I don't know, what, know if you really realize that God doesn't need anybody else's permission to bless you. He doesn't have to go through anybody and say, what do you think about this? God will bless who he wants to bless. Yes. How he wants to bless them. Amen. Sometimes you might get mad because you see God blessing somebody. Stay out of God's business. Thessalonians says, the study to be quiet and to mind thy own business. What you should do while God is blessing other people, you should be thankful because if God did it for them, he'll do it for you. It's not your business, even if you say, God, how can you bless somebody like them? You know why? Because he's God. And the Bible says, our God is in the heavens <laughs> and he does whatever he pleases. Yes. He doesn't have to ask your permission. He doesn't care what you think about it. And why should you be happy about that? Because if you really realize what you deserve, you don't deserve the blessings that God going to put in your lap. And what you want God to do is when your enemies come and say, that person don't deserve it. He says, I got your God is in the heavens and I do whatever I please. I didn't ask you whether or not I could bless them. I blessed them because I wanted 
I don't need your permission. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is where God said, I am the Lord, thy God. He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you because the earth is mine and everything in it. Oh, Jesus. God is able to fulfill his promises. Then we go into the documentation uh, of the agreement between the both parties. We see this in, in the two tablets in, in Exodus 20 where we see God has made an agreement. There's generally two documents, one for the person uh, one for the person that is the higher person and one for the person that's the lesser person of the agreement. And those documentations are kept. We see this in, in when we see the Ten Commandments. Why? Because they're put on two what? Tablets. And they're stuck in a ark of the covenant, taken around as an agreement. That when the but here's the cool part: when the veil is ripped from the temple, that agreement is not even in the temple. There's no ark in the in the temple when Jesus rips the veil, and that doesn't need to be because Jesus said a new what covenant, a new agreement I have with you. You don't need the blood of bulls and goats to atone for your sins once a year. You, anytime you kill an animal now, it can be strictly so you can eat them and they taste it. You don't have to worry about being sorry, Peter people, but they are tasty. But at the same time, you don't have to kill the blood of bulls and goats because they don't wash away sins. Jesus, as they said when I was young, hung his head in the locks of his shoulders. And he died for us. And as Hebrew says, he died once and for all. We see this promise coming to Abraham that I'm going to give you the descendants from your land. And we also see, here's your theological word for today. The last one in verse eight, when he goes to sleep, they generally take two animals. The reason he had them put those animals down there is because during a covenant, they would split animals uh, apart because the reason they were splitting those animals apart they would shake hands and walk between the split animals and they would give an oath and the oath generally would go something like this if i don't keep my word may it be done to me what was done to these animals <laughs> that's really heavy stuff which means that once we make this agreement it's settled and i bet my life on it yeah. oh jesus I know I'm out of time, <laughs> but can you hear that? <clears throat> Who's the only person who goes through the animals? God. Yes. And he bet his life on it. <clears throat> he gave his life for it. The, the, the smoking clay pot in the oven that's given, which would have probably been a portable oven, if you look back at the language, it's considered what we call, just like we talked about, a Christophany. This would be a theophany or a manifestation of God. God allows the vision for him to see the vision of him walking between the animals. In other words, I'm not going to worry about you. I already know what you're going to do. I know you're not going to keep your end of the bargain. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you how this plays out. But I'm going to keep my end. And we're going to end that tonight. I want you to know that God's going to keep his end of the bargain. Sometimes we don't. He promised everybody was invoking. Second Chronicles 7.15, when, when, when the pandemic hit. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then what I hear from heaven, I forgive their sins and heal their land. <clears throat> the only problem is 
Many people didn't humble themselves, nor did they pray. Not only did they not seek his face, you can't find their faces in houses of worship all over the country. They didn't turn from their wicked ways. They turned from faithful service to God. But yet they still waited for God to heal their sins and forgive their land. Now, that's not everybody. We have some faithful churches and faithful church people. I want to end on a high note, but I want to let you know that God is faithful even when we are not. He promised that to Solomon in Solomon's prayer. If my people which are called by my name would humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will hear their land. But aren't you so glad? I remember this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The children of Israel were about to receive the covenant from God. And God, and, and, and they were warned, you know, you can back out of this. But they were prideful and they said, this we will do. God knew they weren't going to be able to do it. And they paid for it later. Aren't you so glad that God's faithfulness is not predicated on your goodness? That in a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate Easter. That says no matter what you've done, no matter what sins you've had, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Let's be honest. Unless you unless you blind and you really have never looked at yourself, you know by yourself that you're not good enough to get into heaven. You know, even after God saved you and you promised all that stuff you do, you haven't kept your end of the bargain. God, if you save me, I'll go everywhere. If you save me, I'll be the first person in when the church doors are open. I'll feed the homeless. I'll feed the poor. I'll be, I, I, I promise God, if you save me, I'll I, I, I go out and I evangelize and bring other people from you to you. And you still haven't kept, don't let me say you, we still haven't kept that end of the bargain. But thanks be to God that when we are faithless, he is faithful. Is anybody glad about the faithfulness of God tonight? Amen. That he's just as faithful. I know what it's like to be discouraged. I know what it's like to say, Lord, when is what you promised going to happen and come to pass? But I want to encourage your heart tonight that when you feel like you're down, go find it. Go look up this teaching. God wants to encourage your heart. So if you're listening to me out there tonight or listening to me right now, God is telling you, hold on. Help is on the way. His promises are yes and amen.